0: I'll say one more time, I appreciate the opportunity to be back at the Lord's house. And i uh, thankful tonight for this good number that's here. I hope that you've come. Uh, I heard some old preachers in my life that say this, and I never understood it when I was growing up, but they'd say, I hope you come for the right reasons. And uh, <clears throat> if you're here tonight just to hear me, or here tonight just to hear Brother Benji, You're not here for the right reasons. Church ain't about us. It's not about the preacher. It's not about your pastor. It's about the Lord. I just ask you tonight that you pray for us. I've uh, got some scripture on my heart. I guess I've never preached before. And I need the Lord's help tonight. just want to follow Him. Do whatever He wants me to do. And uh, if you want to read along with us tonight, we'll be in Psalms chapter number 142. I'll be there, then I'll be in the book of Luke. Psalms chapter number 142. I'll start with the first verse. This is a song of David. said, I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and with my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. I poured out my complaint before Him. I showed before Him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then Thou knewest my path. In the way wherein I walked have they privately laid a snare for me. I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. I cried unto Thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from mine persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise Thy name. The righteous shall compass about me for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. Then Luke chapter number 10. Luke chapter number 10. I'll start at the 25th verse. And the Bible says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up, and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law, how readest thou? And he answered and said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, This do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three, thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. I realized that... uh, that's some familiar scripture right there, the Good Samaritan. And I guess I've got it on my mind tonight and on my heart a little bit different than any way I've ever really heard it preached. But it's been on my heart lately that, uh, and I want you to think about this tonight while we're starting out, that there is going to be a final hour for you and for me to serve the Lord. I believe with my whole heart that we're getting down towards the midnight of time. I believe we're in that hour that the fields are wide and the harvest. And it's getting harder and harder all the time just to be able to reach heaven and to be able to tell sinners about a God that saves them. And it seems like it's getting harder and harder to get folks interested in the Gospel and get folks interested in the church because it seems like there's everything out there in the world to distract them and to keep their mind and their attention away from God. But you know there is going to come a final day that I'll not ever preach again. One of these days I'll preach my final sermon. One of these days I'll pray my final prayer. One of these days I'll set foot in the house of God my last time. That I'll ever step foot in the house of God in this life. And my moment and my hour and time of living will have passed away and everything that I've done for God will have to stand for itself. And yet everything that I've left undone will also have to stand for itself. There is coming a day that no man can pass lost and saved alive. There will be a day that you grow your life spread. And I don't know about you, friend, but I don't want to lay on my deathbed one day after a while having regrets. I don't want to have to look at my family and say I wish I would have lived better in front of them so that they could see a God that loved them and that sustained their daddy, sustained their husband, sustained their brother throughout the entirety of his life. I don't want to have to disappoint folks. I don't want you to have to pass in one heart and they say "Did you me? what Brother Ethan was doing? Did you see where he was at? I don't want you to have to answer for me. But in the same way, I don't want to have to answer for you. Listen, we've all got a journey that we must walk with God. And we've all got responsibility as His church. We've got an obligation to work for a Master that saved us from our very iniquity. We've got an obligation to work in the days that we live in. And you know, there is coming a final hour that work will just cease. And listen, we can work with joy. We can sow in tears and reap in joy. Or we can come, as the brother quoted last night, down to the end of harvest and realize that the summer's past. Realize the opportunity that God has given us is past. And look at our dear children in this place and say they're still not saved. I don't want to leave here in the night with my head hung low. I told the Master a long time ago and I meant it with all my heart that I would do whatever that I could to tell folks about a God that loved them. I'd do whatever I could to care for someone so that's never going to die, that has an eternal destination one day after a while. Listen, this is a sad realization that David came to in his days. He reached probably one of the lowest points he had ever been in in his life. (laughs) He was in a place that he never thought that he would be. Listen, I can imagine as he held that little baby Absalom, as he was just a child, and looked at that little baby, he never imagined in his wildest dreams that he would be run out of his own kingdom. He never imagined in his wildest dreams that his kids would do what they did. But he was run out and hiding in a cave. And in that hour of desperation, and in that hour of loneliness, and in that hour of weakness, he was reaching out just for a hand he was reaching out just for some help he needed someone to stand by him in that time of trouble he said I look to my right there was no man by me my refuge set for me and he came to the realization that no man cares for my soul now I want to say to you tonight whether you're here and saved or whether you're here and lost I care for your soul. Listen, there's a high price that's been paid. There's a high price that's been spent on a soul. Listen, what would it profit a man, the Bible says, to gain the whole world but to lose your only soul? Listen, your soul in the eyes of God is worth more. It's worth more than silver and gold. Your soul in the eyes of God was worth enough that His Son was willing to put on a roll of flesh and come down and die on a cross, that He might shed His blood in one of the most painful and awful ways that you could possibly die. He placed that much value on your soul. But I'm telling you, it's a sad time that we live in, friends, when you get to the point that sinners begin to wonder, do they care for my soul? You see, I want to say to us tonight as Baptist people that we do not have a monopoly on God. Thank you. The cat and I want to say that God is big enough to save anywhere, anytime kind of that He pleases. But all friends in these churches and in these days, sinners ought to have the best shot that they possibly can have to get saved. They ought to have the best chance that they possibly can have. How do they have that chance? Well, first of all, I believe that it takes the gospel. Listen, you'll never convince me otherwise. It was the foolishness of preaching that God chose to save those which would believe. It was a preacher that stood behind the pulpit and told me all of my troubles. It was a preacher that told me of everything that I could. And listen tonight, friends, I still believe that it takes that. But I don't want sinners to walk in here and look at this preacher and wonder, does that preacher care for my soul? friend? your One day. But listen, they got an awful destination awaiting me. And about, there's a high price on your soul tonight. But it is a sad day. And I'm just going to say what's on my heart tonight. and i just, just going to leave it there. I told you I've never preached this before. But it's a sad day where sinners find more friends in the bar than they do in the house of God. It's a sad day where sinners find more acceptance Out in some old honky tonk than they do in the house of God. It's a sad day when they walk in and feel judged the moment that they walk through those doors. Listen, I don't know your heart. I don't know where you belong, but every man has got a precious soul that's in this building tonight. And I don't care how low down that you've been in your life, friends, and we ought not care how low down. I've told my church oftentimes I'd be tickled to death if my fears were full of drug addicts. I'd be tickled to death if it was full of those that's committed by wicked sins in their life. You say, why would that be, friends? Because they've got a chance to Get made whole because they've got a soul that's just as precious as your children's soul is. They've got a soul that's just as precious as anybody that you love. You know there's not one sinner in this place that's more valuable than another. I've been around, folks, and again, I'm just gonna preach my heart tonight, but I've been in folks churches and I've been up in places where they just act like they know a little bit more than you do because you wasn't raised in their church. And we're both the same kind of Baptists. We're old time Baptists. But they act like they know a little bit more than you do because you wasn't raised in their church. They might question you. Did you really get saved if you didn't get saved in a church's name that I recognize? But I tell you friends, listen just because you come here or you go somewhere down the road Look, that missionary Baptist Church does not have a monopoly on God. He meets with us in Kentucky the same way that he does here in Tennessee. And I'm telling you, God loves sinners and he loves their soul tonight enough to offer me a chance to make it to heaven. But you know, I get around folks that has this mentality and I call it my foreign no more. We're worried about my folks. Worrying about my folks When they're lost, boy, we'll clean up. We'll get right. We'll try to pray. We'll try to act right and walk right because my folks are lost. You see, there'll be parents I've seen that they'll start getting real close to the Lord when their children's lost. Their children get saved and they fall right back out. Listen, the other ones that's lost in this place, their soul's just as valuable as yours. Are just as lost uh, as your children are. Uh, and listen tonight, friends. Uh, is there anybody in the house of God that cares for their soul? <laughs> I tell you tonight, it's a sad day. <laughs> I've been I've heard those stories. Brother wreck breaks my heart. You know, those folks sometimes come to the house of God looking for something. <clears throat> And they don't always find what they're looking for. They always should find what they're looking for. But they don't always find what they're looking for. I've heard of stories where men said, I've come down to my final hour. I just couldn't take the pain no more. I had done with my suicide note, but it under my pillow. And I decided I'd go to the house of God just one more time to see if there was something there for me to And listen, I'm afraid in those hours, friends, you know that we've got a great responsibility as this church. There is eternal consequences on every single time that we come in the house of God. You say, though, there's not. It might be your last time that you ever get to do something for the Lord. It might be these sinners' last time ever being in the house of God. What do you mean it's not got eternal consequences? Listen to that, friends. Life is like a vapor, it just vanishes away. Just the snap of a finger and it's gone. And listen, if we fail to warn them, the Bible tells us plainly and warns us that their blood will be required at our hands You know what I'm probably more afraid of than anything in the world? I'm afraid of the judgment. No. And you might say, oh, and I told you that last night. I know I'll make it through all that. But I'm afraid. You know what I'm so scared. Ter- here, when i stand before god one day i'm afraid that he'll look at me and open up those books that he has everything reported in and he'll begin to fit through and said if you went here and preached him not been so stubborn he'd saying if you do went and talked to this one that i invest you on your heart to talk to if you would have listened to my voice when i was calling unto you this one and this one and this one would not be in hell. That you had exactly what I need for them that day. That you had the little words that would bring conviction that my spirit would take and begin to work in the heart of those individuals. I'm afraid to stand in front of him one day with guilty hands because of my and because of my inability. Just because when God says to go, I just stay. I don't want to. You know when you refuse to do what the Lord tells you to do, you know what you're saying? Saying, I don't care for these people's souls. I don't care that Christ died for me. It's all about me. You know those people tonight that's hurting and that needs a word from heaven? There's people tonight in this place that might be towards the end of their world that's just waiting with all their heart to hear from heaven. And they're here tonight wondering, does any man care for my soul? Listen, I tell you tonight... I always dreaded when preaching was done. There's been a lot of things in my generation that I've seen die of, brother. And there's some things that's just died out of our churches and they're just gone. Don't know where they are. Listen, and it's not because that something was wrong with it back then. It's because we're so self-centered today that we can't see past our nose on our face to see the grander picture that's out there in front of us tonight. There's some things that's just died. You know... I always feared as soon as the preacher got done and said amen and closed his book. Because as a lost boy, I knew that folks was coming to talk to me. I can still remember my great-grandmother had them eyes. I mean, she pierced from across the line. And I'd be sitting there with my head down feeling the condemnation of God. Just wishing that I could be left alone. Not wanting to be in the shape that I was. Not wanting to do anything. I just wanted to be left alone. But there was folks in that church that had enough love for me. To get up out of their seat and walk with the Spirit and the help of God. And they would say, Brother Ian, they say, Ethan, you feel like coming and to praying tonight. Ethan, you feel like going tonight. Let me tell you about my salvation story for just a minute. Listen, I know most of you here might know Sister Tammy Browner. Listen, that woman's precious to me. And she didn't do nothing major. The only thing that she did was follow what God told her to do. <laughs> I'd been under conviction for a while. I was lost for nine years. My mama got a text message from her on Tuesday that said we're having revival down at Sycamore Valley. Said I want y'all to come. I can still remember my mama telling me that she got that text message and her saying that don't make no plans for Saturday night. We're going to go to the house of God. (laughs) And you know, no sooner than she said that, that conviction started getting me. And listen, it was just one little simple act of her inviting us as a family into the church. It was that one simple act that my mama said, hey, let's go to the house of God. And that was the fateful night that God met me from heaven and changed me on the inside. It was just one little thing that she was willing to step out and do because she knew I was lost. And she cared for my soul. You know, religious folks sometimes are some of the worst to judge people in the world. They say, oh, they don't live up to our standards. Whoa, look at the ditch that they're in, friends. Did you know that if it wasn't for the grace of God, you'd be in just as bad shape as the worst sinner in this county. If it wasn't for the grace of God, you could be making mess. If it wasn't for the grace of God, you could find yourself in a broken home. If it wasn't for the grace of God, you could find yourself in jail. But listen, thanks be unto God that He changed us because He cared for our soul. There's been people, no, doubt in your path that cared for your soul and has had an impact on where you are in your walk with God. You see there was this man that fell on hard times. This man that just happened to fall in the hands of thieves and happened to fall in that place and the folks that should have been willing to help him were the ones that was furthest from him. The priest, the preacher, and the Levites. We'll put that in New Testament terms. Preacher in the church. I know there's a difference between Old Testament and New Testament. But the preacher in the church, the ones that should have been willing to help, was the ones that looked on their condition and turned their nose up and walked away. Now I want to ask you tonight, friends, does it matter what these sinners have done? Sin is sin, is it not? You tell me tonight, friends, sin is sin, is it not? Does it matter what they come? Do you care enough for their souls? Are you one that would look at a brother or a sister having a hard time? And you just pray one of these little weak prayers and just say, well, God help them. God, you go touch them and give them what they stand in need of. And then you go to asking God again to pad your bank account, to help you at work, to do all these things. You know, things i said was the dying out of our church. Testifying is dying out of our church. It's nothing anymore but this prayer request. And listen, sometimes it's just prayer requests for ingrown toenails and little things. And don't get me wrong, you should have the confidence to ask your brothers and sisters to pray because the Bible says that you ought to bear one Others' burdens, and so it fulfills the law of Christ. But I miss the days with all of my heart, when men and women would just stand with the love of God in their heart, and just say, "I've had a word from the Lord," and just begin to testify. You know, it's, I was thinking this time, this week that the reason that we don't hear people stand this anymore and say God answered my prayer. It's because people just simply don't pray. And the things that they do pray for are selfish. And we're so self-centered in looking at ourselves. But if you're here tonight just for your family, if you're here tonight just out of obligation, where is your love and care for sinners? In the house of God. Spring revival is just as important as summer revival. Revival is just as important. Sunday morning service. It's not something that you come to that obligation. It's something that you come to to get fed from God. It's something that you come to with a mind at work. <laughs> and a mind of labor. You know, what? we've talked a lot and said that we need the power of God. You know when the power of God first fell there at the day of Pentecost? It was after the brothers had been in the upper room fasting. It was after they had stayed together and dug in and prayed. It was after that He had come and they had been together and dwelt together. And it said the Holy Ghost came in that room just like a mighty rushing wind began to stir them up on the inside. It said they opened golden tongues of fire and they went and preached in power and thousands were saved. Listen, it can still happen today in the house of God. God's not changed a bit. He's never changed. The Bible tells us plainly that He's God. He changes not. He'll never change, friends. He still has that kind of power to save. But we live in such a self-centered generation where it's all about me all about my kids. What about their souls that's never going to die? What about those that's here that truly needs help from God? You know the Bible says that pure and undefiled religion is to go to the fatherless? To be those that needs a little bit of help that's hurt, that's on the inside. We care for their souls. When's the last time you called a brother or sister that you've not seen in the house of God in a while and just say, brother, I miss you. I've not seen you in months. Would you come back and join us? Brother, I know that you've got some little kids that's got to be getting close to the age of accountability. Let them come here, my preacher for a while because we love Him dearly and we've got confidence in Him that He'll preach. come to my church. Listen, all we hear about now and especially in this area is the bad, is the fighting, is the trouble. But I'm so sick of hearing about trouble, friends. I just want the power of God to fall and leave all that stuff behind. That stuff is trivial because I care for souls more than I care about drama. And more than I care about the next best piece of gossip, I care for souls. There's a lot of that stuff that don't do nothing but hurt the cause of Christ. Gossiping don't do nothing but hurt the cause of Christ. When these lost people, I've said this at church, and you think about this tonight, friends, the most gospel, and the most that anybody ever is going to know about God, most of the time, is what they see in you. They're not going to come to your church. They're not going to come hear your preacher. You might invite them, and one out of a hundred might come. But genuinely, the most that people ever going to know about the Savior that saved you is what they see in you and what you live in front of them. When you go to the workplace and you go in and you talk about how bad your brother and sister is that sits next to you in the house of God, Are they going to have any confidence to come to your church if all you can do is talk about how you wish that your preacher would do a little better? Are they going to have any confidence to come hear your man of God if all you can do is run the church down the road down? Are they going to have any confidence to go in their hour of need when they genuinely need to hear something from God? Are they going to go? Or will they sit at home and stay where they are? Friends, I don't want to be guilty of hurting the cause of Christ. I want to run my race with patience, with love and humility and respect for my fellow man and understand that you might not be where I am right now, but that God can change an individual. There is not a heart that's too black. There is not one that's too wicked that cannot be changed. But somebody needs to show them That we care for their souls. I care when sinners come to the altar because I remember what it was like not that many years ago to see and to be in their exact position. I remember the uncomfortableness and the fear from standing up out of my seat and walking down the sidewalk. Some of the longest walks I've ever made in my life. But I'm glad that in my life that I've never made one of those walks where somebody wasn't walking with me because they cared for my soul. <laughs> Listen, friends, I've told you and I've told you that we get it so backwards <laughs> as we do. Listen, if we don't have the love of God in us and they can't see and feel the love of God in us, is there any hope for them? When God says it's the church to preach and it's the church to have the spirit and it's the church that He works through, is there any hope for them when the church is lazy and cold and indifferent and waiting on somebody else to go? You see, I can prove to you in Scripture that the faith of individuals has had direct part in saving souls. What about that man? When Jesus entered into the house and it was noise that He was in the house. And there was such a throng around Him that they could not get in. They was all the way out to the door. They was out in the yard. But they was poor friends that had enough love in their heart to look at their little buddy that was there curled up in that little ball laid with the palsy, laid there in his bed. They had compassion enough on that man to say if we could only get him in the presence of the Savior, if we could only get him to where Jesus is, we know that he could be healed. They had so much compassion that them little things that stood in their way, they were willing to get around with that church is the easiest place in the world to work for God. Mm -hmm. Think about that tonight, friends. It's easier to testify here than it is at your workplace. It's easier to pray in here than it is at your workplace. It's easier to be around like-minded individuals here than it is at your workplace. It's the easiest place on Earth to get in the Spirit of God and to be around folks and to work and do what God says to do. Why do we make that so hard? There was little obstacles that stood in their way. No room next to Jesus. So they, they climbed up on the roof, tore off the shingles, and let him down. And the Bible says because of their faith, those four stayed not the man with the palsy, but the four that cared for his soul. Jesus looked at him and he said, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. They look the question said, so Who is this that can forgive sins? God's the only one that can forgive sins. He said, Was it easier for me to say that, or would it be easier for me to look? And he looked at that little man. And he said, Rise and take up thy bed and walk. And that man, because somebody cared for his soul, got up, he came in crippled. He coming in he's he come in with, he coming in bad, and he got up and walked out on his own two feet. A changed individual That someone who through for his soul. It's important tonight, friends. Don't know what kind of stock and importance that you put on the house of God in your life, don't know what kind of stock and importance that you put on preaching. Don't know what kind of stock and importance that you put on the Bible. This could be our last night that we ever had in the house of God. And you will answer for what you do tonight. Wonder what you'll answer for. Did you care for their souls? Or did you sit worrying about me? I want to be like the Samaritan that had compassion that poured the oil on them, bandaged their wounds, loved them, cared for them, paid to them, did everything in their power to make them better. I want to be a soldier for God. Because God loved me so much that He gave His only the Son. And if He loved me that much, the least that I can do is love somebody else. That's how the Bible says that we know we've passed from death unto life. Because we love the brethren. I love these sinners here tonight. And friend, I want you to be saved. I love this church here tonight. You've been a mother to me for years before I moved off. You've been a mother to me. I want to see you have power. I want to see you have compassion. I want to see you grow to a place that you've never been before. But do we care for men's souls? I know that's not what you expected tonight, but that's alright. God's eat me up with that Scripture. No man cared for my soul. I don't want a sinner in this place to walk out those doors saying that in our hearts Nobody cared that I went to the altar. Nobody cared that I was hurt. David found himself there in the lowest that he'd ever been and there was not a hand to help. But he did what she'll have to do, sinner friend. Cry to God for mercy. And God will sing. We've got a work to do tonight. We've got a work to do this week. So we've got the Father's visit. While we stand and sing. It's all that's on my heart, friends. They sent us here in perilous danger tonight. Would you come while we sing? Brother.